0: Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Redderman and we have a great show for you today. We are here with Erin Teller, who is a spiritual coach. She is a medium, um, and she does all kinds of fun things. So welcome, Erin. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Of course. So, um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do.
1: Perfect. So I run... Rose Quartz Mediumship, uh, which is a company based out of New Hampshire, and I feel so blessed and so grateful to run the company and um, get to do spiritual coaching with amazing people. So I am a medium, have been for my whole life. I uh, am partway through my druidry I am a Reiki master, I'm a shaman, I'm a death doula, and I'm a life coach. And really, all of that kind of mushes and blends together to mean that I am here to support people on their spiritual journey, to support them in their own spiritual awakening process.
0: That's very cool. And, you know, I feel like when you're you're in this kind of like, business for a while and you know just even on your own spiritual path like you know the things that light us up and the, the things that kind of help us uncover our own truths and who we really are you know become kind of folded in to assist other people so I love that you have all these different trainings and these different aspects that you've you've explored in your own growth so Aaron, what what is spiritual coaching how do you how do you understand that or how do you describe what spiritual coaching is
1: Awesome question. I could talk about this all day long. (laughs) So spiritual, (laughs) spiritual coaching for me means that I support people in understanding their own gifts and uncovering them and exploring them and getting comfortable with them. And that is different for everybody. That looks different for everybody. So one of the primary focuses of my business, which is actually not where I thought it was going to go when I opened it, um, is spiritual coaching, which essentially means that I provide tools for people to understand their own spiritual gifts. I create structure for them to be able to explore those and be able to start utilizing them. And I create community where they feel safe in celebrating and finding like-minded individuals and exploring what their spiritual awakening means to them and where they want to go with it.
0: And what is, what is the role of feeling safe within this work? And what is the that kind of role of having kind of the like minded individuals to be able to? Um, how does how does that all kind of fit in? How, like I, I, that's because that's such a core of what you do. Um, what what is that? What is the importance behind that?
1: Yeah. So this is my truth, and I'm a big big believer in everybody being able to have different truths. But my truth is that if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel secure, if you don't feel like you have a support system in place that gives you the ability to be vulnerable and explore yourself, that it is hard for you to open up to your gifts. So if you are unable to do the shadow work because you don't feel safe, if you're unable to get really vulnerable and real, and try things and explore, then you're not going to be able to progress and step into those, uh, into those gifts. Because oftentimes it's not an issue of somebody understanding their gifts; it's an issue of them having the space to explore them effectively. Mm. Um, so my truth is that everybody has psychic capabilities mediumship capabilities everybody's an empath that's my truth it doesn't have to be anybody else's but that's mine and I think when you create community where people are able to start recognizing their gifts and exploring them then it gives them the ability to really step into them and stand in their power with them and start recognizing what an impact they currently have those gifts have on their world and their life and their reality and then they can start making decisions about how they want to use them once they understand them better
0: Mm. and can you give an example of what some gifts that people have that they would be uncovering like what what type of gifts um are you talking about
1: great question so frequently people will come in and say i have no metaphysical capabilities um and My response to that is oftentimes, that doesn't feel true to me. That may be true for you, but that doesn't feel true to me. Frequently, somebody will have psychic capabilities. And that to them might look like, well, I knew this or that was going to happen before it happened, but it doesn't happen that often. Or I have dreams, and then those things play out in reality. Or I receive messages, and then those things play out. Or, I thought about so-and-so, and and then she called
0: me, or he called me. But it's like, but that doesn't happen often, or that doesn't mean anything, or that was just a one-off, and so they start to diminish. Yeah.
1: Exactly. They minimize those experiences and deny them um, because... In my opinion, frequently people do that because they don't feel safe and secure being able to say, hey, I have these capabilities and I don't understand them well yet, um, but I want to explore them. Yeah. And when you give them the opportunity, when you give them the tools, the words, the structure and the community where they can feel safe to explore them, it is amazing how fast people go from saying, I have no capabilities to, wow, look at all of the capabilities that I have.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's so fun. So, do you what initially draws people into learning this work? Have, do they already have like that kind of one foot in, one foot out? Or are they like are, are they curious about it? Um yeah, like what what kind of really draws people to like learn um some of the the, you know, ideas of exploring their own gifts?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, I guess I would say my truth is that people who resonate with me will typically be drawn to me, whereas they may be drawn to a different practitioner for different things. So individuals who are drawn to me typically want to learn how to do these things themselves in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So when I first started my business, I really thought that I was going to be doing mediumship readings like that 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 was going to be predominantly what I did. And can I do it? Absolutely. But is that really where my gift lies? No, my gift lies in teaching you how to do it, because it's so much more powerful, in my opinion, for somebody to be able to have those experiences and those interactions themselves. So can I do it for you? Yeah. Is it better if I teach you how to do it absolutely yeah (laughs) (laughs) without a doubt yeah so I think people who are drawn to me um have gotten a nudge from the universe maybe they don't understand that but they've gotten a little nudge from the universe to seek me versus a different medium or a different psychic or a different reiki practitioner um, or a different shaman
0: yeah and so, um, and if you're just tuning in, uh, we're chatting with Aaron Tuller, who is a spiritual coach, um, a mediumship coach. Um, is that what you would call it? A mediumship coach? Maybe not exactly a medium, a psychic medium.
1: Yeah. So tech, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so psychic medium.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> psychic medium. Um, and so, um, and, you know, in this whole process, what, and when you're kind of talking about you know how you also offer um, mediumship readings for other people. When somebody is actually coming in for a reading, what is what does that look like? If somebody was kind of like coming in, they they set an appointment up for you. Um, what is what is the whole experience of visiting you as a medium? It's different for everybody,
1: and so it's interesting because the experience can can vary pretty wildly. So people come for mediumship readings for a host of different reasons. Frequently, there's a degree of healing that needs to happen. So frequently, it's somebody who's seeking out a medium because there was closure that didn't happen, there was communication that didn't happen, there was healing that didn't happen.
0: While everybody was still alive. While
1: everybody was still alive. And so they're looking for somebody who can help make that
0: connection to both sides of the veil yeah um and so so people are people sit they sit down they, they're coming trying to have some some healing some resolve um and what it, what is your role in in all of that like are you are you there to kind of like support and kind of hold people's hands as they're like able to express themselves like what is how do you kind of see yourself within the this communication such a great question every medium is really different
1: so my opinion is that it's not my job to interpret so I am a vessel for relaying information frequently I don't even understand the messages they're not for me Right, the message isn't for me. it's not about me. It's not, it's, it's not your family. it's, it's not it's right yeah, they're not your
0: friends. yeah, it's yeah. not
1: about me. yeah, so my job is to relay the message and so messages come through me and go to the individual who's there seeking the mediumship experience. Um, and as we go through the mediumship experience, lots of times there's additional questions or comments or things that they need to explore, and then we go into those areas deeper.
0: And, you know, our... Are, are do people like I mean do people get angry at their loved ones after they've crossed over? Like are people like holding on to a lot of like grief and sadness? Like you know are are they allowed to like cry in those spaces? Are they allowed to like yell at their their loved ones who have crossed over? You know like what what is what are the rules?
1: There are no rules. Um, I am such a huge believer in people being able to listen to themselves. And so frequently people will come with a host of different emotions and however they need to express them, they have the right to do that. And so sometimes it looks like people hysterically crying, whether that be from a place of anger or sadness or love right and and really missing somebody you know frequently i will do a reading for somebody who didn't expect their loved one to pass or their loved one passed and they just miss them they really need to engage with them and interact with them and Again, people are drawn to me who typically have their own capabilities and want to explore them. So if they're coming to me, they probably have their own mediumship capabilities and an aspect of our reading turns into, why don't you learn how to have some of these experiences and interactions yourself? And so frequently the spirit is giving cues about when it is that they are interacting with that individual themselves so they can validate I have coffee with you I sit with you when you have coffee or you didn't put lemon in your water this morning and you normally do right and that helps them to really recognize okay my dad is with me at breakfast or whatnot
0: oh that's so cute I love that those little clues to be like oh my gosh how would anyone else know that I was by myself or yeah yeah, that's really cool, and you know, kind of during, you know, during these kind of interactions, you know, you're you're holding space for people to have a, a wide range of emotions. What does it feel like behind the curtain, kind of behind the scenes? How do you interpret spirit? What does it feel like for you as you're communicating with with the non physical?
1: Ooh, good question.
0: I have a lot of good questions. <laughs> you are full <laughs> of
1: beautiful questions tonight. <laughs> um, it feels like a host of different things. So, somebody who's showing up for a mediumship read, um, you know, say they are showing up at four o'clock for a reading. I may have actually started interacting with the spirits that are connected to them two weeks previous to, the, to our reading. Um, it all depends upon the spirits that are coming through. So, sometimes those individuals, those spirits will come and start being in my environment for days or weeks leading up to the reading. Sometimes it's hours. Um, It can feel like a host of different things. All of the typical um, tingling, ears ringing, hair standing up in the back of my neck, all those types of experiences, I feel them. um, But I start to engage with them even before the reading to kind of understand, explain to me why you're here, what do you need to pass? So that there's some amount of prepping that has already happened, I also read the individual. So frequently, when people show up, they said, "I felt you." I was doing you know dishes, or I was in the garden, and all of a sudden, I had this feeling like you were looking at me. So they already know that I've tuned into their energy. Um, so there's a lot that goes into the mediumship reading before they ever show up. And almost always, it's a place of healing. It's, it's really coming from a place of healing and
0: um, closure. Yeah. Just move that energy out. You know, we don't need to be hanging on to it for longer than we need to. That's so true. That is so true. Gets
1: into the shadow work. And shadow work is just such a beautiful thing because it makes such enormous changes positive changes in our lives when we do that shadow work
0: Mm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you understand shadow work and um yeah what what is what is it and how do you contextualize it
1: yeah so shadow work for me is essentially looking at the parts of us that we don't want to embrace anymore so whether those are patterns or behaviors and looking at them and saying, why do I do this? So recognizing this is something about myself that I don't like, right? The darker sides of ourselves that we say, I don't wanna embrace this anymore. And then digging at it a bit and saying, where's the root cause of this behavior? So if there's a behavior that I don't want to embrace. It's our parents. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And that leads to the inner child trauma
0: workshop, right? (laughs) Just kidding. It's not always our parents. Sometimes it's our ancestors. (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) But it's so true. Frequently, the root cause of our wounds are somewhere in childhood. And those create, you know, if we have wounds that go unhealed, then that creates behaviors and patterns in adulthood that we don't want to embrace anymore. And frequently we get to the point where we say, I don't accept this. I don't want this. I don't love this anymore. So I'm going to heal this. And I'm going to heal this wound, release that energy so that I can shift into a different vibration level, something that aligns more closely with what I'm looking for for an experience here.
0: And so, and I've done lots of shadow work myself, but I, I'm curious as to what flips for people when they're like, when they when they go from this is a part of myself that I don't want to, that I don't like, and that I don't accept, to be willing to scratch at it.
1: Yeah, frequently it's that they get to a place where they're ready to own their own stuff. They come to a place in their life where they have enough maturity and enough life experience that they say, no more. I'm ready to be responsible for myself. And the second that you can get somebody into a place where they recognize their responsibility, it empowers them for change. All of a sudden, their reality, if they're responsible for their reality, they have the power to change their reality. And at the point where they can start understanding that they have power to create change of patterns or behaviors that they don't like in their life, they start digging. And it's my, f- it's honestly my favorite workshop that I run, uh, Shadow Work, which I know seems, like an odd thing right (laughs) but it is it's such a powerful powerful workshop it has an entire module in my nine-month spiritual awakening program it is such an empowering thing to start addressing your shadows start healing those wounds and start making major changes in your life
0: hmm so um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your like, nine-month uh, program that you run? Because you, you just mentioned that the shadow work is a, is a sliver of that. Um, what else are people, what else does that program consist of? What, what kind of stuff have you built into it?
1: Yeah. So sp- my spiritual awakening program is a nine-month module, um, not a nine-month program. So it has nine modules. There's a module every month. And the intention there is that it gives you the tools that you need to understand the spiritual awakening and opening process. And it gives you the tools and the structure to accelerate your own spiritual awakening. So it puts the person who's taking the program in the driver's seat where they are empowered to make their own changes in their life uh, to move forward on their journey of the spiritual awakening process.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So there's like shadow work. Do you teach mediumship within that or is that a totally separate world?
1: So the topics are vibration levels, understanding that you're an empath, psychic hygiene, grounding, creating and holding sacred space, inner child trauma, shadow work, manifesting, and then receiving messages.
0: Wow. So you you, you take everybody through the, the works. You take them through the ringer. I do, because I think that you need all of those pieces. So I didn't
1: start from a place of saying, I'm going to make a nine-month program. Right. I started, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That's not how it worked. It started from a place, actually it started from my own spiritual awakening and opening journey and saying, I wish I had a mentor provided these tools and the structure for me to understand my own opening and to make it more comfortable frankly.
0: Yeah I mean it's an Um, uncomfortable process regardless (laughs) but having somebody that you can like talk to about it as you're going through it that's been through it themselves is huge.
1: Absolutely and being able to just have resources and literally the background on what you are experiencing is huge because otherwise you're questioning it and you're thinking am i crazy? What is this experience because we're not talking about it out in society. We're right. not talking about these things out in in mainstream society right now. And so if we're not talking about them, oftentimes people don't have a resource to understand them,
0: right? Yeah, oh, I love that. I love that so much. So one other um, kind of thing that I, I saw on your website, and if, and if people are, are curious um, about, you know, where to find more information, you can always jump on over to com and find out more about what Erin does and all these kind of juicy things that we're talking about. Um, but so I saw on your website that you have also done in your own kind of journey and your own training that you've done some of this uh, death doula work. And I'm really curious as to what are some of the major differences between the end of life. It's not a, it's not is death, is death doula considered hospice care or is that sort of on the umbrella is that end of life, right? Yeah, exactly. So frequently
1: we are familiar with a birth doula. Yes. Right? So that is a support individual that is there to help the the individual going through childbirth with the process to ensure that their wishes are kind of carried out and space is held for them, right? A safe grounding space. So it's the same thing on the other end of the spectrum. It's somebody who understands the transition who's not there to provide medical assistance. That is not the role it is there. That individual is there to hold space and a loving vibration and make sure that that individual's wishes are carried out during their transition.
0: Mm, Okay. So with that kind of framework of making sure that somebody has, you know, that you're holding space for somebody. um, So what, what are the major differences that you've observed when you work with somebody who's already crossed over, versus when somebody is kind of at end of life? Like, what are... You know, what? what is the two energies between the the person who's alive and the person who's past feel like? um, Yeah, I guess. uh, Yeah. What does it feel like having worked in in both capacities there? Awesome
1: question. So it is very different, right? So when a human has ended their human experience and they're in spirit form, um, for me, there are two different ways that they show up one is a ghost where they and I use that term when an individual has not been to the light or to the universe for healing and that energy is unsettling it's it's kind of what mainstream social media shows as um spirits
0: right unfortunately right they have like uh, the the unfinished business exactly. or the kind of the wandering souls exactly. on the side of the like country dirt road that appear to you as you're driving through the fog.
1: <laughs> Ex- yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so that is a spirit that has not transitioned. They feel unsettled, ungrounded, um and, and unhealed really. A spirit that has been to the light or to the universe and has had a review of their life, have gone through the healing process, their emotions have been dialed down. Essentially, if 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 you think about on a scale from zero to 10, humans emotions might be at a 10. Mm. Right. A spirit who has been to the light, their emotions might be at a three. They're not emotionally charged. They're settled. They're healed. Yeah, And so they feel frequently like a safe space. Even if they're showing up for an individual, for a mediumship read on an incredibly emotionally charged topic, they will frequently still feel healed, right? When someone is transitioning at end of life, this is their last opportunity for anything that they need to kind of close up during their human experience as a human, now, will they get the opportunity to foreclosure on things in spirit form? Absolutely. When they go back to the light, they'll get the opportunity for that healing. But frequently we get to the end of life and we want to make sure that there's certain things that we've accomplished or, or kind of like buttoned up, so to speak. Um, and so end of life activity can look a lot like that. People, people wanting to make sure that they button things up. Things get really clear when we get towards the end
0: yeah yeah those letters get sent those phone calls get made that's right yeah get all their paperwork together and that's one of the nice things about people going through
1: a spiritual opening and awakening is that they kind of deal with their stuff so to speak they own their stuff when they're younger right so if if you go through your spiritual opening and awakening at at 45 let's say you're not doing that at end of life. You're dealing with your wounds and your trauma and processing them um, now. And that gives you the opportunity to have had a lot of healing. And so hopefully by the time you get to the end of your human experience, you're in a really settled, balanced, whole place. And there's not a lot of buttoning up to do.
0: What percentage, and this, this is a big question, but what percentage of people do you feel like are at end of life buttoned up and feel like they are, have completed the things that they want to complete? Oh, I
1: have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I was like, I, I wonder. Yeah, um, I, d-
1: I, I can tell you that 100% of the people that show up at a workshop don't have stuff buttoned up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're people in progress. It. Yeah. They,
1: that's right. They're they're actively seeking it. So I guess if you ask me what percentage of the people who are end of life have sought um either therapy or um some sort of healing um through alternative methods.
0: I don't know it's a beautiful question that's a great research yeah I was just I wonder if you just had any kind of like you know insights on that but I mean it's you know I mean I feel like we're at a time on this like on this planet at this frame where things are moving a lot faster and we there's a lot more awareness of this type of work and so you know there's there's more I mean Therapy is of course super common. Chiropractic is common. Like we have the availability to like heal our body and you know to really allow ourselves to um, to look deeper if we want to. Uh, but yeah, I I just, you know, I, I think there's more resources available if we're looking for them. But I, I wasn't sure if you had any idea.
1: Yeah, I think the percentage of people that are gonna be showing up at the end of their human experience buttoned up is gonna be wildly different. In 20 or 30 years than it is right now because there's so many people who are becoming aware of the spiritual awakening process and who are really ready to kind of like throw down on their shadow work and say i don't want to be unhealed yeah i want to be happy i want to be whole Mm. i want to be healthy i want to be balanced yeah and it's oftentimes those things that we haven't addressed that lead to us feeling not buttoned up
0: at the end of life. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember one of my guests I was having uh, um my my normal co host that um that comes in monthly, Beth Pelletieri. She um She really feels very strongly that, you know, this kind of breakdown of organized religion really opened up a lot of um, spiritual awakening for people because they were still looking for for help and for support and for uh, different ways to deal with things. But religion comes with a lot of guilt and shame and toxicity in a lot of different areas um not every religion and for every person but um she kind of felt very strongly that that kind of breakdown of organizational like religion was um was a a big part of the this larger um kind of movement of more broadly based spirituality
1: yeah i would be inclined to agree with her um i get asked this question a lot right about spirituality versus religion and i would agree that as organized religion shifts and changes and we are seeing less people uh embracing organized religion and maybe sinking into spirituality um that that there probably is a correlation there right people who are seeking spiritual spirituality are oftentimes coming out of religion and people will often say to me, if I believe in some sort of religious background, does that mean I can't be spiritual? And th- those two things go hand in hand. There's so much about religion that is almost exactly what I believe. It's the, the organized religion component of it um, where things for me personally fall apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so many of the people who I work with and um, am am so grateful to have in my reality have very strong religious beliefs, and they should, right? That's okay. That's a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean that you need to give up religion for you to be able to sink into spirituality.
0: Yeah. You don't have to pick. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You just get to soften and let it flow in the way that you want it.
1: Exactly. It's like... A buffet right you can pick what works for you what resonates with you what feels true to you what feels right to you and hopefully you don't feel like you need to explain that to anybody
0: else yeah oh I love this I love this so much um so if you're just tuning in uh you're listening to WXOJLP 103.3 Northampton and you're listening to Energy Matters and we're here with Erin Tuller today um so um you know one one question I I know that you um, you teach workshops and you do all this kind of fun stuff at um, or some of some of this fun stuff um, at Sacred Roots uh, Yoga Center in East Hampton. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you connected to uh, to Sacred Roots and yeah. And what you do over there, because that's one of my favorite yoga studios in in this area.
1: I adore Sacred Roots yoga. I, I really do. Sacred Roots healing is just the most beautiful energy there. Adore it. So it's actually a really funny story. um, And one that makes me giggle every time I run a workshop there, the story comes out and it is to me such a beautiful example of the universe lining up exactly what was meant to happen. So I have a friend who is now a very dear friend of mine. But at the time, she and I were just beginning to explore our friendship. We were just casual friends. And I had invited her to come to a spirit communication workshop that I was running. And I just said, oh, it's a spiritual workshop. And she said, yeah, she wanted to come. She has her own metaphysical gifts, which... I think everybody does, but she was at the beginning of understanding them. And I think she was a little bit outside of her comfort zone, but she wanted to come. And so she said, hey, can I bring my friend? Because for her, it was a two-hour drive. And I said, of course you can. Bring your friend. So she asked her friend to come along. And her friend and her have a hard time connecting and finding um, time to to like chunk out and be together. So she asked her friend. And her friend's like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. I'll go. Her friend happened to be Jen. And so they show and that's up.
0: that's Jen Parmentier of, say, the, of yeah,
1: Sacred Roots Healing. Yeah. That's right. So Jen shows up thinking that she's actually coming to some sort of a business meeting. Had no idea that it was a spirit communication workshop. Oh, my goodness. She had no idea. <laughs> so in walks jen thinking that she's there for some sort of business thing she's just along for the ride and she said like i'm just along for the ride i literally came here for the two-hour drive up and the two-hour drive back and she's a little bit confused about why she was there (laughs) and why the universe had kerplunked her there she just thought that she was taking a ride with her friend yeah um lo and behold, Jen has beautiful spiritual gifts, which she's very aware of, um, but had some real blocks. She had some trauma around them. And so Jen actually ended up laying on the floor in the middle of the workshop crying. And she was like, I am supposed to be here. (laughs) So it was exactly where she was supposed to be. Uh, It's such a funny story. And Uh, Since then, I think I have presented five different workshops at Sacred Roots Healing. Uh, She has had me down there multiple times, and I just love the energy of that uh, community. It's so beautiful. So I um, go there about once a month and present.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that you're kind of in that in those spaces there. I think that um yeah, that space really has just gorgeous energy and it feels such like it's like a heart. It's like being inside of a beating heart is what it feels like.
1: It is. It has gorgeous energy. It's so healing and it holds such beautiful space for deep work, right? If you've ever been in an environment that feels like it really like the building holds space, the the two rooms that they have hold space. It's just really meant for deep healing.
0: Yeah, and um, if people aren't familiar with that studio or um, with Jen, you can always go back to the Energy Matters podcast and listen to their the Jen Parmentier and her partner was were also on the show, um, but they really started out, um, you know, for supporting people for uh, recovery from addiction. Yeah. And you know, and sobriety. And so they they were already doing deep work before they opened that studio in order to um, provide that that space for others. So it was really, really rooted and in, um, in a pretty like fantastic like origin story but yeah it's it's just grown like leaps and bounds every time I talk to her she's it just keeps growing so yeah yeah so I was I was thrilled to have you um have you on because I know that you're a part of that community and um so on the break you were kind of talking about how your next spiritual awakening program the sort of like nine month um program is is coming at an important time um can you tell us a little bit about why you feel like um this this workshop is is coming You know, like what what's the what's the juice? Like what why is this a good a good wave of of time coming up for people to start delving into this work?
1: Yeah. So right now I am seeing so many people who are really ready to understand and own their own gifts. And they are, you know, collectively, I think we're going through a spiritual awakening. It is becoming more socially acceptable to embrace your spirituality and your spiritual gifts and to own them and to embrace them. And collectively, I think we're seeing a rise in people's Precognitive or psychic capabilities, their mediumship capabilities, their empathic capabilities. And on top of that, we are coming out of a pandemic where people have been literally locked in their houses, having to look at their own wounds. Well, I guess they don't have to look at their own wounds. But,
0: <laughs> but they <laughs> had was, the opportunity to. Yeah,
1: it was like a forced slowdown. And one of the things that I teach in my program is that we need to slow down you can't feel your feelings unless you give yourself space to feel them. And so the universe created some space for all of us to feel things and to look at things. And so there's a lot of people who are coming out of this pandemic saying, I am ready to own my stuff. And I'm ready to heal my wounds. And I'm ready to embrace all that I'm meant to do here. And so it feels like a really perfect time for the spiritual awakening program uh, to be out there in the universe, for people to have the tools, the structure, and the community that they need in order to embrace their spiritual gifts.
0: Hmm. And, you know, as you're kind of talking about this, like this forced slowdown, what is, um, you know, that the pandemic really represented, what, what does slowing down and feeling their feelings actually look like like can you kind of give us a little window a little vignette about how people can can slow down and like just experience themselves like what what does that look like
1: yeah frequently people are going so fast that they couldn't possibly feel their feelings right when i'm working with a client and they say i am scheduled every weekend from now until the end of the year it lets me know that they don't want to look at themselves because they're trying to keep themselves so busy that they couldn't create space to look at themselves. So when I teach clients about slowing down, it is, I literally teach them how to say no thank you, right? The term no thank you is huge. It is huge. It is such a socially acceptable thing to say, and we don't do it. If you get an invitation to something, you can say, no, thank you. And understanding um, your empathic capabilities and really owning them is one of the modules that I teach in the program. And as part of that, you need time to decompress and you you need to be able to dial back some of that background noise that we have remove yourself from devices for a little bit take a deep breath ground yourself and just have a moment where you clear your energy and allow it to reset back to where it naturally might be
0: which is usually a little bit higher than we give ourselves credit for yeah yeah absolutely we naturally
1: vibrate high it's just that We have a lot going on that pulls us down, vibrationally, in my opinion. That's my truth. doesn't have to be anybody else's. Yeah.
0: What are your personal favorite ways of slowing down?
1: I uh, love, 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 love meditation. Um, I'm a huge believer that there's no wrong way to meditate. So I'm a believer that moments of silence if you are one of those people that say I can't meditate okay well stop saying that you're meditating <laughs> use a Give
0: different word use a
1: different word so <laughs> I teach people to say I'm having a moment of silence right and being able to build those into your reality into your day into your life and the more that you do that the more you're going to recognize that you want them all over the place um, I personally love running so I get into a meditative state through movement Uh, easily. And I teach a lot of my clients to embrace that and accept that and to stop shaming themselves for that being their form of meditation. So for me, slowing down looks like meditation. It looks like yoga. It looks like being mindful and present with my no thank yous and my calendar. It means journaling time. It means, um, connecting with nature and gardening and uh, being really present with the things in my life that I want to be present with and prioritizing those.
0: I love that. And I think that that's a really good Um, An important reframing of, you know, the activities that people often do, like gardening, for example, or for, um, you know, like jogging, like you said, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're like, if you're golfing, and you're in the zone, and you can really like feel yourself like being present, then like, that counts. Like, it doesn't have to be some, like, you know, big, long spiritual tradition, if you like. I personally love actually sitting down and meditation as well. Like, I crave it. Um, But yeah, it can, there's a million ways to do it.
1: There are a million ways to do it. And I recommend playing with them and embracing what works for you. Standard meditation for me is life-changing and huge. And when I don't get enough of it in my life, I know it. It shows up really quickly, and um, and I need it. It's part of my psychic hygiene practice. It's part of how I create and hold sacred space. So for me, it's really important, but it's also important to get in uh, meditation through movement and to be able to embrace that too. Creating that space and that energy and sitting in it is important uh, for me, and I think it's important for everybody else too.
0: Mm, yes, so good. Yeah. Um. So, Erin, um, what are, so we're kind of coming towards the, the end, but um, of the hour, um, what are, I have a couple of final questions for you, but what are the parts of your work that like really just light you up?
1: I would say the number one thing that lights me up is being a support for someone who's going through a spiritual opening and awakening. Um, I am such a huge believer that people heal themselves and that they just need the structure and the tools and the community. And so watching people get into this really vulnerable place and really just kind of like throw down on their wounds and their trauma and their shadow and embracing change and integrating that information it lights my world on fire Mm. i get these emails sometimes from clients coming out of a workshop or coming out of the spiritual awakening program or after a reading and when they talk about the impact that the work that they have done has has had on their lives that lights my world on fire Mm. i adore people embracing and owning their own
0: healing mm, yes i love that i love it um and so if people are curious a little bit more about um your work and how how can people find you what's the simplest way for them to get in touch
1: yeah so they can go right onto my website which is rosequartzmediumship.com. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, and on YouTube.
0: All all under under Rose Quartz Mediumship. Love it. Love it. And um, Erin, do you have any last words of wisdom that you would like to throw into the universe? You've dropped a lot of gems on us already, (laughs) but any last little, little tidbits of wisdom?
1: I guess my tidbits of wisdom would be to sink into your own spirituality. And my truth is that everybody has metaphysical gifts. And I really encourage you to explore and own your own gifts and see how those can impact your life and embrace some of those impacts.
0: Hmm. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Erin. Find out more about what Erin Toller does at rosequartzmediumship.com. So have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.